Hello and welcome to The Donfather, a family podcast about the Essendon Football Club. And Matthew, let's just start off by addressing the massive elephant in the room. But really, what did we expect when you fly up to Sydney and a team can climb a goalpost while you're having a set shot as black and white as the rules are and not be paid? Did we really ever expect that we would get a good run from the maggots in green? Oh, no, we didn't. Um, but actually, uh, that's, that uh, goalpost one wasn't the wrong decision because remember, he didn't intend to climb the goalpost. He didn't intend it, so it's all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. His intent was not to climb the goalpost, <laughs> even though he was climbing the goalpost. I'm not, I'm not sure what he was intending to do, but it wasn't to climb the goalpost. <laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> yeah, he accidentally climbed the goalpost. <laughs> oh, very funny. Um, very funny. Nah, so yeah, so the elephant in the room is is the umpiring, obviously. So it was twenty nine to sixteen free kicks, so a plus thirteen in Sydney's favour, as you would expect. And I had heard during the week, and I don't know how true this is because it came out of one of those nuffy places, but um, apparently. Uh, what's his name, that umpire? Let me bring this up. Jacob Mollison. Jacob Mollison. Apparently 20 to 0 free kicks in Sydney's favour in his regard. Now, if we have a look at the stats as a whole, so if we bring this down. So, total disposals, 366 Sydney's favour to us, 336. Uh, Kicks, 230 to 189, so they, they clearly smashed us in more kicks. But when you're getting 13 more free kicks, let's, let's take that down a little bit. Um, and then handballs, we beat then 147 to 136. Uh, inside 50 is very even, 56 to 53. Uh, disposal efficiency, ours was 71, theirs was 66. Uh, inside 50 efficiency, theirs was 55, ours was 45. Um, really, the only stat that is completely out of um, balance is the free kicks mm. uh, and the clearances. So let's talk about the clearances there. So 47 to 24. But the thing to remember with that is that free kicks also count as clearances in your favor. Um, stoppage clearances 30 to 16. So plus 14 in the clearances as well. Now, I uh, am not one to believe that there is intentional bias within the umpiring at all. Um, And certainly I don't think that's the case in this game, but something to consider, which is often lost is that there's three umpires on the ground. And while the umpires might be internally consistent within their own decision-making, what happens is the ball goes down one end with one umpire. He doesn't pay a particular free kick. He's internally consistent. He never pays that free kick. Then it goes down the other end with the other umpire. He's also internally consistent, but he also might be Jacob Mollison and a fuckwit, and then he'll pay it in Sydney's favour. So I think the stats certainly, and the thing, that, the other thing to remember is the free kicks never need to be even. They that's something that the average punter believes that the, if the free kicks are not even, then somehow you've been hard done by by the umpires. That's not necessarily true. There's no rule saying the free kicks need to be even. But I think we lose sight of the fact that the consistency at either end of the ground, which is a problem, by the way, you you would think that as a group, the three umpires get together before the game and say, this is what we're going to pay. This is what we're not going to pay. 
um, and therefore you have a more consistent um, spread across the ground. But certainly, to our very biased S and eyes, that did not seem the case. Yeah, look, I think, um, look, first of all, if we're going to move forward as a club and be a power club, we can't blame every single close loss on umpiring decisions. Mm. Um, now, look, I think it, it's probably one of the um, downsides to our beautiful game is that <clears throat> it's very difficult, especially at the elite level, for just one umpire to umpire it. You, get, you, you do need two or three. Uh, I believe they run with three at the moment. Um, mm. So... Although, yeah, like you said, you might get consistency from either one individually uh, across the board. How and so much of our game is open to interpretation, um, like any sport, really. But I mean, like you know, in a bar, in basketball, if you shoot a three point shot or a two point shot, it, there's no real subjectivity to it. So either your foot was on the line or it wasn't. Um, you know, something and and maybe something like holding the ball or. Um, in the back, etc. Those can be a little bit more open to interpretation. Um, but there are so many rules like that in, in football and the game happens at such a fast pace that the even a little bit of inconsistency between between the two umpires can equate to, to big differences at such a high speed and, and, and so much action going on. So it is one of the downsides to our game that everyone will see it differently and you, you, mm. you'll, you'll struggle to get three umpires that see the game exactly the same way because uh, it's just so, mm. you know, hands in the back, push in the back. It, you can, you know, some people will say it's here, some people will, will, will say it's not, you know, just in a, in a general sort of uh, scenario there. So it's, it's a, it is, I do feel the umpires in that it's, it's a complicated game at, at times. Yeah, and I think, I mean, as, as a cathartic exercise to get it off our chest, there was a couple of decisions that really just blew my mind. There was one where Francis was diving, literally diving at the ball to spoil Buddy. Buddy was also diving at it, punches it, it goes out of bounds, and it's paid. It's not, it's not deliberate out of bounds anymore. It's like not enough effort to keep it in. So that one gets paid. And then another one where Guelphie just punches it over his head, deliberate out of bounds. And then Sydney in the last quarter going forward, just kick it long, as Dyson Heppel did earlier in the quarter. Kicks it long. It happens to bounce out. Dyson Heppel, deliberate out of bounds. Sydney does the same thing going forward, not deliberate out of bounds. Um, and then there was one also at our end where Sydney literally just dived on it and tapped it towards the line. And then Heppel didn't pick it up. And the umpire says, you could have picked it up. It's not, I'm not paying it. It's like, well, why is Essendon incumbent on keeping the ball in and not Sydney? So there was a couple of decisions like that. Um, and then the big one was um, the two hickey grabbing it out of the ruck, getting tackled, not holding the ball, which uh, I, I was having a reading of the rule book today. Um, and that apparently is not a free kick. It's changed, and, and I, yeah. Yeah, I can see that the first one, because he literally grabs it out of the ruck, brings his arms down and then gets tackled. But that second one, uh, surely with the room that we have for interpretation, surely you can see that when you grab the ball, and this was very late in the game with about, 40 seconds to go. He grabs the ball, takes about three or four steps, then gets tackled. If if he'd received possession from anything other than a boundary throw-in, that's holding the ball every day of the week. So why is that one protected? And then a few seconds later, they pay some cheap one to make up for the mistake that they just made, which is often the case. But the time was already... That 10 seconds cost us the ability to get that forward. Um, and the very last one was in that last quarter... 
it seemed to me that every Sydney foray that actually got for every time we got the ball out, every foray that went forward and, and they scored from seemed to have a free kick in the chain, either for the entry into the 50 or directly for the free kick. So um, as a, as a passionate Essendon man, very, very frustrating, but if we want to move forward as a football club, we cannot continue to blame these losses on umpiring decisions. But that's not to say to the listeners out there who might be wanting some satisfaction and some discussion of this, I absolutely think that there are umpiring decisions in games, particularly close games, that can determine the result. But if you look back, so we're talking about when when umpiring determines the result, is in that moment, the decision itself changes the result of the game. But Looking further back and further back, there's lots of other things. Like if you look at the clearances. Yeah, that's so, what I was about to bring up. Yeah. You know, the clearances here, 24 to 47 in the match and 17 to 8 centre clearances, right? So although, and I'm, let's say the Geelong-Brisbane one where they don't pay the holding the ball, that decision there absolutely determines the result. But that's not the main reason that you lost. At that point in time, it changed going forward, but... There was lots of things before that, I'm sure, in that game that determined the result. Yeah, and, and from memory from that Geelong-Brisbane one, they, they had a few stings either end. I think Gary Rowland got a out-of-bounds on the full, uh, which probably wasn't there. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. and it's, it's in these close games where a decision, uh, it, I don't know if it determines, but definitely the level of influence in which a decision has skyrockets the closer the game is. Um, which is another reason why I feel for umpires because the balance of the game can literally fall in their hands and their interpretation. Um, now, like that that uh, one Geelong-Brisbane, that's a perfect example. Uh, I don't know how it was interpreted not holding the ball, um, but just from perhaps where he was standing, thought uh, it was a blitz has got a handball away. Um, we all were watching at home and on the camera, and the camera had a perfect view to say, no, that wasn't... Um, uh, sorry, we've got a perfect view to see clearly that he dropped it. Um, but again, like in a in a perfect world, yeah, he's got the same view as us. But the way the game just works out, perhaps he didn't have that. He doesn't see that happen. He thinks it was a clean handball, and the game plays on. And that influence in which that decision or non decision has just skyrockets, given the closest of the game. So no, I, I I do agree. But if you move forward, you you can't keep. Blaming umpires, you can't keep looking at that. We, as you said, we got no. smashed around the ball. Um, yeah. Even if you say they got thirteen free kicks and all thirteen were counted as clearances, we still fall well. They still shot. beat us by 20, 20 clearances. Uh, right? Ten. So twelve for the match. Clearances for the match, they had forty-seven, twenty-four. Let's add thirteen for argument's sake. We're still ten yep. short, so we still got yep. smacked around the ball. Um, That's right. Their efficiency inside fifty was ten percent better. Uh, so that thirty more disposals. So, I, I, yeah, the, and and as well, they've had uh, what do we have? Twenty scoring shots to twenty-eight. So they've had eight more scoring shots. Um, in some regards, we've probably got lucky that they didn't kick uh, accurately. Um, no, well, I was thinking about that today, and having watched the game, I, I disagree. I think okay. I think them missing actually prevented us from having more scoring shots ourselves. We we struggled a little bit to get it out of defense because their setup was so good. And I think if they... Because there was several passages of play where they'd score a point, score a point, score a point. And our defense was really solid 
given how um, how much it was coming in. Whereas I think perhaps resetting at the centre gives us an opportunity to get it forward and get it at our end, and then the place stays at our end. So I think just saying, I, I think that's a bit of a misnomer, just saying, oh, had they kicked straight, they would have smashed us. But I, I disagree. I mean, 11-17, yeah, a couple of those changes the results significantly. Um, but I, I don't think it, you just line up the scoring shots and say, yep, yeah, they should have won comfortably. Because going back to the centre actually helps us quite a bit. I remember late in the game, I think you were listening on um, on the radio and I sent a message in the group and I said, actually, budding, Buddy kicking this goal helps us because we just haven't been able to get it out. And lo and behold, Buddy kicks a goal, we take it down the end from from the centre and score a goal. Um, so I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think it's... Um, I disagree with the premise in its entirety, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But by the same token, uh, they kick a goal, they go to centre clearances, they won the centre clearances by nine. So just mm. purely based on numbers, they were stronger around the centre, centre bounce. So mm. um, I, as you know, as much as we, we put some question of umpiring decisions into it, uh, they were probably the better side on the day. Uh, we, had, we did have a 25-point lead at one stage and... Um, yeah. So full credit to them. I don't, I don't think, you know, it was an Anzac day of 2019 where there were, <laughs> you know. It was just worse. Yeah, the game stops twice. But, um, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, I think there, there's definitely avenues for us to improve and, and be better. And, and yeah, that's what... so that, that was um that was a negative of mine. Let's let's start with some um some positives. So the negative was was obviously the the lead that we lost. But let's because there was a lot of positives in this one. Yeah. Um, let's start with friend of the show, Nicholas Pencil Cox. He's great. Now, ha- have you seen the highlights? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that in that first quarter when he just picks it up on the run from his shoelaces and slots it from about forty five. Jeez, that and that just says to us, mate. He he's going to be a player. He's going to be a very very special player. Yeah. Well, has there ever been a player in history who can line up in the ruck, play on the wing, and be an intercept defender? And I dare say, if he wanted to play forward, he probably could too. Just knowing what his junior days were like, and, and you know, kick, run, mark, just does it all. Uh, has there ever been a player like that? In maybe Adam Goods. Uh, there has been a player like that, and his name is Nathan Lovett Murray. <laughs> Played right. And if you look, and you look through uh, his career, yes, he has played in every single position. But apart from the great man Nathan Lovett Murray, the only other one that I can think of, um, and this is a big raps to put on this kid after what three games, mm. uh, four games, is Adam Goods. Yeah. I, I, if we get now, Adam Goods won three Brownlows. It was two or three. Yeah, so, two. I mean, Adam Goods is is perhaps one of the well, he's definitely one of the greatest that ever played the game. Perhaps the greatest, apart from James Hurd. Ah, uh, well, I mean, look, footy's like it's never a fair compare. Like, it's not fair to compare Adam Goods to Lee Matthews to Gary Ablett Senior to Gary Ablett Junior. Like, they're just all different. It is fair. Well, they're all different players and had different roles in their teams. That's right. That's right. Um, There's a lot, a lot of players on the team. But I think Goodsy, he'd probably have to be the most versatile player in the history of the game, I, I would have thought. Um, he's probably a little bit before my time, but 
from what I know, uh, probably the most, the best versatile player in the history. Yeah. I'm not sure what you know. Dating back uh, was Doug Nichols. Uh, he would be before both of our time. No disrespect. Way to, before. No disrespect Way to him before. either. But uh, I'm saying the modern sort of between 1990 and now, it'd be the most uh, versatile player. I would have thought. Well, the thing the thing is with um, I mean Adam Goods used to play in the ruck, but he's only 191. Yeah. So he's not even that tall. Yeah. Um, just looking up his stats now, but his leap was so good. But I think. Nick Cox has the potential of being that type of player that can actually just play anywhere. So he he looks a real good talent and props to Dodoro for picking him up. And if I'm honest, he looks the pick of the bunch from these early rounds. Yeah. I think um just the way he moves, he, like he's... He's like with with Perkins, for example. He's probably been someone who's relied not relied on his strength, but known how to use his sort of physical strength and power to his advantage. Um, yep. Now you go up and play against men, you don't really have that advantage as much. Although, having said that, from the two games he's played, he, he, he's shown that uh, I can probably hang around here. Um, whereas Coxie, probably Perkins, you mean? Yeah, Perkins. Um, and so, like, so in his junior years, you know, a lot of his power and strength and speed, like that's something he could really use. Um, yep. to break games open, whereas you come up to AFL levels a 19-year-old and you, you can't do that as much, although he's shown glimpses of how good he can be. Um, with Coxie, he probably never had that um, sort of blessing, so it was all about skill and IQ, and although he's tall and can run, uh, and certainly um, is well, running our 2K time trial, so he's already AFL level in that regard. Um, he never had a physical attribute, you know, strength or power, um, mm-hmm. that he had to like that. That's what he could use to break games open. So um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think he'd be this ready for AFL level as he is. But it does make sense that the tools he has, he can already exhibit at AFL level and and do it quite well. So mm. um, and and looking going forward, him playing as a wingman as a midfielder, like how do you actually stop him? If you've got him on the wing, often they're isolated one on one, and to have someone that tall, who whose athletic is enough to match the smaller wingman, you actually can't stop him. You can't outrun him, and you can't outmark him without infringing on him. So, what a really powerful weapon that we have. I think, um, yeah, I think we've got a real good Adam. If, if we get a career out of Nick Cox with his improved physical attributes over Adam Goods to the level that I mean, let's. Two, three brown lows. Let, let me look this up so we can stop pretending. But um, well, if he yeah, if he wins, let's say Adams won two brown lows, which I'm pretty pretty sure, unless I'm my my memory's failing me. Um, two brown lows. Two brown lows. So if you're half as good as Adam Goods, I think he's a little bit of a different player. Uh, Goods is probably more that yeah. strength power, but in terms of versatility, being a really good versatile player, if he's half as good as Adam Goods, uh, that's one brown low. So. I mean, yeah. I don't want to blow my load too early, but... <laughs> oh, uh, let's go. <laughs> let's blow it right now. But uh, no, certainly credit to him and a, a great start to a career. So yeah, uh, so he's, he's exciting. Archie Perkins looks real... Do you know what he looks like to me? He looks like a kid that doesn't yet know that he belongs, but everyone else can see it. Like he absolutely looks comfortable at this level 
and just needs to get his hands on the ball a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had a decent game. It's not like he had a poor game at all. Yeah. Um, particularly when you consider it's his second game. 11 possessions. Um, but just some of his movement, the way that he tries to break through tackles, his game awareness, I think he's another really good find. And I think he will just get better and better and better throughout the year. Yeah. If we, if we could measure impact per possession, um, just directly, mm. like on a... 1 to 10 scale or something. I, I don't know. But I think he'll be that sort of player where a good game for him might not look like 40. You know, it might be 25 or 20. Um, but with every possession he has, he just does something, brings someone into the game. You know, we end up scoring off a chain or to direct score or assist, etc. So um, I think he'll be one a bit like Darcy Parrish in that uh, Parrish had to... You know, there are a few years there where Darcy's a, he's a through and through midfielder, but they'd play him forward. He'd be in and out of the side, and it, yeah. no, to no um no doubt it, it frustrated him. I think Archie will be similar in that, in that um he won't quite be ready to play his position, which is probably on ball. I would have thought, or you know, Tom Ball going forward, um, Jake Stringer like, but he probably won't be ready for that or at his best for another couple of years, and he'll find himself maybe on the cusp a few times or playing a little bit more forward than he wants or something like that. But I think once it does, the penny does drop for him and he's ready, uh, he's certainly going to flourish. The fact that he's so comfortable and, and has shown so many glimpses of this is how good I can be is is really encouraging. So yeah, uh, if we've got uh, Adam Goods and Chris Judd, <laughs> if we picked them up in the draft, I'd be very happy, man. Very, very happy. <laughs> um, I was very happy with... Laverdi's performance in defence, very happy with Francis's performance on Buddy Franklin. And geez, those commentators can froth about Buddy Franklin. They had, um, they were talking, he, he kicked one goal one in the first quarter or something, and Jake Stringer was lining up for his third goal, and Channel 7 commentators were just frothing over Franklin. And I'm like, this guy is actually lining up, he's having more of an impact than Buddy is right now, and he's having a shot for his third goal in a quarter, and you cannot shut up about Buddy. Like, Buddy did nothing all game, really. Like, he kicked that last goal, which wasn't even... It ended up being the winning goal, but it wasn't like he kicked it to give them the lead and that was the last kick of the game. There was still about 15 minutes to go and we kicked another goal and, and had it in our forward line. It's just... Oh, that was frustrating. Yeah, was it but, um, 15 or 5? But it, anyway... Um, anyway, there was time to yeah, go. There was time to go, yeah. Um, I, it's not like he kicked it after the siren. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, look, I think Buddy... Uh, Buddy sells. Buddy gets... You know, it's Buddy. Um, but I think, yeah, Jake, uh, um, I think with the way Jake has started and the improved physical shape, the respect for him should start to come back this year. I mean, he's kicked mm. seven in his first two games back um, and looks, you know, he's dropped seven kilos. It looks like he was in 2015 when he was All-Australian. So um, and hopefully did, the respect He has for him been fading back. in games, though. He's, he started really well in games and, and kind of disappeared towards the second half, which hopefully he gets better at. Yeah, look, to be expected. Um, he might even be playing a little bit more mid than what he's mm. used to. I, I, I haven't I haven't got a, a statistic or, or done enough analysis on that. I might have to look on my next live, but um, not surprising given he did miss a bit of a chunk and just... Mm. just who he is as a player, but yeah, hopefully he does turn that around. Uh, but I, I really hope the respect for Jake Stringer comes back if he continues his form. Because um, mm. he's a, he, yeah. he was all Australian as a 21, 22 or whatever he was. So 
Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. Tend to agree. So once again, like really liking the defensive unit that I'm, I can understand now their reluctance early to change that back six. If we can run with this back six, or let's say back eight, because people are going to be rotating through there as injuries, that sort of thing. But if we can run with this back six all year, I think that sets us up really, really well going forward. Very happy. Given the quality of Sydney's forward line and the scores that they've put on the board early this year, really happy with the performances of really the entire back line. They did Nick Hind breaking the lines really well. Um, Jordan Ridley just steaming towards his all-Australian jumper. Um, Heppel had a decent game down back. Very happy overall with the back six for sure. Yeah, look, probably, I mean... Pains me to say this when a, when a player has injured themselves, but Isaac Heaney going down early probably does help our back line, given how dangerous he is. So mm-hmm. hope he uh, makes a speedy recovery. Uh, certainly not the pain of a broken hand, but um, oh, you, oh, we both do. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, uh, Nick Hines said it after the game that a, a large chunk of that back line played a lot of footy, exactly to your point, a couple of weeks ago or even a week ago, that um, that back line played a lot of VFL footy together. So... Um, it, it is a making of a pretty strong unit back there. Um, mm. And, yeah, like you said, I, I like the three tall or two and a half tall, depending how you want to play Francis. But, um, yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, I, I would be remiss to make any changes to that back line, barring injury. I mean, I'd love Redmond to come back in, but I'm I'm happy with Laverde, happy with Hind, obviously Ridley and Francis really happy with. Zerk Thatcher. He is doing his job. Um, if he if he just plays the blanket role and gets one of their players to to shut out of the game, I'm wrapped with that. Really, really happy with that back six. Yeah, I was pretty happy with the coaching performance. Um, I think honestly, Truck or the coaching panel did a really good job of identifying how Sydney were playing really well and actually stopping them from being able to do that. If you saw them against Richmond the week before. They just had this free-flowing, fast game. And admittedly, we're on that shithole of the SCG, which shouldn't even be an AFL football ground, um, which does make it easier to flood. But I thought, given how much we got smashed in clearances, defensively, we were very, as a unit, as a team, we were quite sound. So I was very happy with the performance of of the coaching panel in that regard. Yeah, it's almost like we are. Although, if you go back to past episodes, I've always backed in truck, but... No, I, yeah. Me too. I've always been on <laughs> yeah. on the trailer. All right, oh, sure, sure. All right, yeah. <laughs> no, but going back to uh, yeah, Zerk, I if he shuts down their most dangerous forward or just lets Francis or Ridley play on a, a second or third best forward, that's an absolute win for us. So yeah, I totally agree. Mm. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good to see a little bit more structure and meth- um, methodology uh, from how we play as a team and what we've maybe seen in the last couple of years, which is credit to Truck and uh, his mm. good man, his good mate Gia in the box. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I thought um, I thought our entries into the forward line were a bit poor and, and potentially cost us the game. There was quite a few times when going forward we would kick it to, to Sydney or wouldn't hit a, a good target or, or miss an option. So, um, 
I, I think there's room for improvement certainly in that regard. And and I mean it's not as bad as it has been in previous years, but we we didn't have a great game entering into the forward line to be honest. Yeah, I'm surprised. I thought maybe you'd mention uh, the the bath. I think uh, Peter Wright's still washing some soap off himself uh, that he got from from Tom Hickey. Oh, I was going to get there, mate. Uh, I was going to get there. Uh, but um, yeah, so so again, with the coaching performance, I don't think we've seen this for a very long time, but certainly for the majority of the second half, uh, they had Nick Cox, the pencil, friend of the show, uh, playing in the ruck. And that's something that I think was really positive because Peter Wright, even though he got 22 hit outs, he just gave us nothing. He just got smashed around the ground. Didn't co- didn't really compete well in the air. Didn't get many kicks. Just had a terrible game. Um, and the coaches seemingly, in years past, if that was Wusher, they would have just kept persisting with, with the same game plan. But uh, whoever made the decision, let's say Rutten, said, nah, let's chuck the pencil in there. He's he's actually giving us something around the grounds. And we saw that. And and you can tell, I, I think perhaps uh, Peter Wright might be due for a game in the VFL because the fact that the game was very, very tight and they put a fourth gamer in into those crucial ruck contests over the 24-year-old, I think he's going to have some time in the Magoos coming up, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, look, Peter Wright's not a ruckman. And if you speak to blokes who are ruckman size, but aren't Ruckman, uh, they'll tell you that it's it's uh, it's not as simple as just uh, rolling in there and trying your best. There, you know, it's a genuine craft to it. Um, but I do see it. I think with Coxie, um, the thinking was okay. Well, Peter Wright, he's getting beaten. He's like similar play to Hickey, and that's a big body, not as mobile or anything like that. Um, he, all right, he's going to get smashed. So the way you beat Hickey, okay, if he's going to win. Um, you know, on tap work. Well, at least Coxie can sort of beat him around the ground. Um, mm. So, yeah, but um, I'd be interested to see if, if, yeah, what will they do with, with Big Pete if he does stay in the side? Or um, they give someone like a Nick Bryan who's better around the ground, even if he does come up against a monster in Oscar McAnooney this week. If, if they go, well, okay, well, we're probably going to get smashed in the ruck anyway in terms of hit-outs. Let's try and beat them around the ground. I think um, I think Phillips comes in. He played in VFL yesterday. Ah, okay, yesterday. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. About and and I, I would be very disappointed if they play both Peter Wright and Kale Hooker in the forward line. Yeah, me too. Um, I think one of them gets dropped. And the only reason I suggest Hooker is because he was very clearly carrying a corky. So I... I would prefer that the podcast whipping boy gets dropped, of course, and not the great man, Kale Hooker. But um, I think we, we've we seen in the last two weeks that we can't carry Peter Wright and Kale Hooker in the same forward line. Yeah, Peter Wright doesn't give us enough in the ruck and they're too immobile in the forward line. When Waterman's doing a great job, another positive. Stringer's doing a great job. Hooker is playing well as the the one really big, strong, tall target. And then Harrison Jones, you know, you just don't drop. Just leave him in, let him play. He didn't have a great game. He, he kicked a really crucial goal. But I was having a chat with a friend of mine who loves the Bombers but is not as much of a footy nerd as I am and doesn't follow the draft. And he said, oh, who's this Harrison Jones kid? And I said, look, he... I don't know that he's got as high a ceiling 
as of course not as as Nick Cox and Perkins and those sorts of things. Um, but I think he's going to be a very he just does the simple things really well. He leads well, he marks well, he kicks well, and I think at at his best we might get a, a Josh Kennedy type player out of him if that makes sense. Yeah, and oh, so Josh Kennedy is a very serviceable player. <laughs> you know, yeah, but what I mean, yeah, and and not. Not a disrespect to Josh Kennedy, but he does. He's not a Buddy Franklin that That's has right. all these yes. athleticism and these tricks. He he's just an old school, leading, marking, good kicking forward. Yeah. Right. And I, I think at at. Harrison Jones, absolute best. That's what we're going to get out of him. Just a really good traditional key forward. Yeah, um, yeah. with a good engine that can run all day and those sorts of things. Yeah, and it, I mean, um, he he might be even a little bit more mobile than that, just given the modern era. So I, I don't think he'd be Buddy Buddy Franklin level or anything like that. But um, yeah, he'll, he'll, yeah, I agree with that. Like I said last week, he'll be a good uh, Scott Lucas who just you know gives. However many games and and you know Sapels as, as one of the greats, um, mm. without oh, you know, unfortunately Scott Lucas isn't held in the same regard as as Matthew Lloyd or something, and he probably wasn't as good as a forward as him. But you know what I mean? Like just going to be someone who always can rely on. You know what you're going to get, and he's going to be a very very serviceable player and, and give you three or four goals a week. I, I agree with you in that Scott Lucas is chronically underrated because. He was in the same era as Matthew Lloyd, but Scott Lucas is absolutely one of the greatest key forwards to play for Essendon Football Club. There's just no question. Yeah. He, there, there we. I don't know if you remember the year that that Lloydy uh, missed the year because he injured his hamstring. Do, yeah. Scott Lucas carried our forward line in the later part of his career, particularly when Lloyd was in. Uh... But I agree with you in that. Um, I don't think Harrison Jones is going to be the one that gets people through the gates, but he's going to be, he's going to be the Falcon to someone else's Captain America. Yeah. 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 I mean, and the Falcon can hold his own, you know, with his own TV show and stuff. So anyway, but we're getting too, uh, <laughs> too we're now. getting too marvelly. Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, I, I get, I think we're on the same point now that he's going yeah. to be one that is, is a magnet there that's there every week that is available. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and he's probably going to allow someone else to be, as good as they can be, you know. And so the, Lloyd wasn't as good without Lucas there. Um, so mm. I think Harrison is going to command a lot of respect from opposition teams and, and a lot of respect from from Essendon fans. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I was um I was really happy with um Will Ham's ga- Will Ham's. I always do this. Braden Ham's game, um, particularly matched up. I think he played against a lizard quite a bit, who okay. had very little impact. Um, so I was really Really happy with his game. Really across the board, I'm, I'm looking through the players list and I can't see anyone that, apart from Peter Wright and um, Zaka, who got zero touches, zero marks, zero tackles, zero pressure acts. It was like he didn't even come on the ground at all, Zaka. <laughs> um, him and the the only other one, and I, understanding that you didn't watch a whole heap of the game, I'm, I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible but I felt Peter Wright really cost us um, in a lot of contests that he just did not, you know, he just got out-muscled, just got beaten in the air, just didn't didn't give us what you need that we get from, um, you know, uh, Andrew Phillips. Yeah, well, you know, and that effort. well, to my point again, uh, he's not a, you know, Tiki has done his whole career as a 
a ruckman. He's not a forward, or he, he may be pinched up forward, but he's a, a ruckman. That's his craft. Same with Phillips. His craft is ruck. Uh, Peter Wright is just being in the ruck because he's tall. So mm. no surprise that he did get pretty beaten. Um, but what can you do? It's, yeah. Um, we need we need Drake. Well, so, we haven't got Drake's back for a while, unfortunately. Yeah, so I think I think Phillips O'Brien coming in is is a good thing for next week. Um, and yeah, if it was up to me, I'd probably I'd, I would drop Peter Wright. Um, depending on hooker, him or hooker. I don't think we can carry him or hooker into the game. Depending on hooks, uh, how he pulls week. up, of course. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, I don't think hooker hooker gets dropped on form. I think no, um, no. I think it's Peter Wright that goes. Really happy with Alec Waterman. Um, he he's just doing his job really well. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He's kicking the goals he needs to kick. He's putting on forward pressure. He is he's thick with two C's. <laughs> he is a thick boy. Yeah. Um, he's probably what we wanted Laverde to be a year or two ago. Like, he's that forward, mm. you know, that another Jake Stringer type in that pinch hit mid, you know, a forward, yeah. etc. Um, he, I mean, he obviously plays more forward. Um, but, yeah, he, he just looks nice. Like, he, he belongs out there. Um so full I think he's just a better kick than Laverde. Like, and I think that's really, uh, apart from the injuries and, and the consistency of games from Laverde, I think he still has the potential to be that type of forward. But he just kept getting injured and, and his set shot kicking yeah, just yeah, wasn't yeah. great. Well, I think with Jaden as well, we tried to play him tall at times. And he, well, yeah. He's not a tall, he's a third. He's a third medium yeah. size, beautiful size of 190 and, and 90 in athletic, but he's not a tall, not a small either. And we tried to play him as a tall one. And, and, it's hard. It's hard playing on a bloke that, you know, if he had to match up on a 195 centimetre, you know, whoever, you'd really have a, a hard day doing that if that wasn't what you were built for. You're playing out of position. So, but he, he yeah, I really like him down back um, by the fact he's actually allowed to play in his medium-sized role, albeit at the other end, but, you know, he can contribute in the air, strong enough to take out uh, and fast and powerful enough to take out a good medium forward, um, but also mm. gives us something on the ground as well. So, um, yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, really, yeah. really positive. So dislikes. Um, getting a five goal lead and letting that slip. Um, definitely a dislike. Uh, and and again, letting a team get a run of six goals on us without being able to put the brakes on. Uh, and I understand this is an issue across the board, across the league. Having watched four games of Essendon play now and then other teams, so I think. That's that's your job as a senior coach is to work out what we do when those situations happen. Um, mm. That yeah, that's that's definitely a negative for mine. Is that we had a big lead, well not a big lead, but a five goal lead, and then allowed six straight goals the other way. Yeah, I think it is tough. Look, I don't want to excuse it being a young side, and I'm very happy that the club said we're not going to let that be an excuse either, but. When you are a young side, you do so much work in developing a style of play that, I mean, you, you probably don't have the game's experience to sort of work out, okay, how do, when we're not in control of the game, how do we get it back on our terms? And to be, albeit we did a good job of it against St Kilda, although they may, oh, I can't remember if they missed a couple of uh, shots they, they maybe should have, should have hit, but... Um, Either way, that's that's normally what what good mature senior teams can do is that when you do get a run on against them, they're very good at minimising the damage in which you can create in that sort of run of mm-hmm. momentum. That's 
if obviously we've got to keep developing our style of play and how we want to attack teams and, and play together and, and do all that sort of stuff. But um, the opposite side is how do we, or the next phase is how do we stop teams when they are getting a run on and, and minimizing the mm. damage they create. So um, mm. I just wanted to yeah. bring up one other name before Please. we maybe go to a break and uh, hit look forward to Brisbane. Uh, but Nick Hind, this is a guy yeah. who, for, I don't understand how, I mean, maybe he wasn't this good in, in times gone past, but a mature age recruit, uh, I, I don't understand how he, I wish I knew his story to know why he actually wasn't able to get drafted until he did two years ago, whatever it was. Um, I don't understand why St Kilda were so hell-bent on playing him forward because he mm. is, at the moment, he is as I go as far to say as good as anyone in that small back role at the at the very minute. He has played one, two, four four fantastic games for Essendon Football Club, and you know uh, you can see his lip was still busted up from last week. And I'm very impressed with with what he's been able to do, and I'll, he'll he'll come down the recruit of the year if he can continues to play how he is. He is he was performing like that in the VFL for the Bombers. Yeah. So I, I'm not surprised in the least that he's doing exactly this at AFL level. I I don't I can't answer your question. I don't know why St Kilda were playing him forward because he's clearly a natural running halfback. He he's absolutely uh, the replacement for Saad that we needed. But having said that, imagine we kept Saad and we still recruited him. Oh uh, yeah, I, I mean maybe we don't get him if we kept Saad. And Saad had his, I mean, as everyone does, Saad had his flaws as well um, in terms of ball use. So, uh, yeah, but anyway, I mean, it would have been nice to see that sort of run off halfback, but um, I'm happy with, with the fact that we've only got one running halfback and, and the back line that we've got given how they've played. And I, th- I feel like Redmond can go either way. He doesn't have the pace of Nick Hind, but he certainly has that attacking intent. Um, and so I, I, I'm with you in that I'm happy, as long as Nick Hines stays injury-free, mm. right, and we still have that running half-back, I'm happy to have him on one side and then a more uh, hybrid, say, Redman on the other side. Yeah, or... That, that has a little bit of pace, certainly not to the level of Hind, but does take the game on, does attack it well, yeah. can deliver well by foot. Well, you don't always need a, a real hard, fast-running half-back. Um, certainly one goes a long way, but if you've got a halfback that can use it by foot really well, i.e. Uh, maybe a Heppel. Redmond's come a long way in this regard. Obviously, we have guys like Ridley and uh, Francis goes okay as well. He operated 100% efficiency last week. Um, that can break a side open, especially in the, mm. with the current rules, um, you know, and, and the game opened up. Yeah, good, very good kickoff halfback is as damaging as someone with the speed of Nick Hyde. Absolutely, yeah. No, there's no question about that. That they're not they're not crucial, but they're good to have. Yeah. Those those, and we saw that in the passage of play where he just ran. It took about four bounces, ran it straight up the guts. I mean, he muffed the kick, but then got it back and set up a goal. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. If you can do that really, sort of things, really you you know, like that's what Sadi gets a hundred or eight hundred and fifty cat, whatever he's on, like that sort of stuff. Yeah. So Hindy, uh, yeah, quickly becoming a, a very important player for us and. Very underrated. Very underrated. Absolutely. And and the thing is that um, he's he's doing that on a small ground on the SCG. Yeah. 
get a little bit more room at the MCG and um, I think we'll see even more of that and, and more dynamic play. And just on that, by the way, here's a negative. Who created our fixture? <laughs> We're off to Brisbane next week. So we've traveled three times in the first five rounds with two interstate trips in a row. Like, mm. do it early. Who's making this fixture? What a joke. Yeah. And I bet you we, I bet you we finish the season with an interstate trip. Yeah. Let's have a look. Uh, it comes out every six weeks because of COVID. Um, it'll still have who we're playing though. Oh, right. Um, yeah, the location might change. So, let's see. No, it's Collingwood at the G. Okay, all right. Well, there goes my conspiracy <laughs> well, But the week before, we are on the Gold Coast against the Suns. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think um, we're probably one of those teams, like we're not Richmond, where um, like, we'll, we'll command a team, uh, sorry, we'll command a crowd at pretty much any venue around the country. Hence, I think they are, there'd definitely be some that consideration into the fixture for sure, for sure, mm. as to whether or not, if we play Sydney, well, I don't know, maybe we play them twice, but uh, let's We do play them yeah, twice, yeah. we play them later. Well, in let's the say we played them once, why, when they're tossing up, or oh, who do we give the home game to? Uh, oh, let's give it to Sydney, because we know the Bombers will command a decent crowd up in up in Sydney. Um, you know, and they might work the same in Gold Coast or Fremantle or GWS, etc. So, um, but, and I'm, as much as the AFL would deny, I'm almost positive that goes into it. But uh, I'd, Absolutely. Look, I'd rather get these games out of the way early. And I, when you are a young side, um, those road trips can be, you know, when we don't have families and babies and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, having young guys do road trips together can be a really good way to, to build some, some, some chemistry and some bond. Um mm. You know, and they, they can be a little bit more taxing on, on older teams because, yeah, obviously families and all that sort of stuff can get a little more complicated. So, yeah. That's right. That's right. And so we travel again round eight against the Giants. Round 11, we play West Coast. Um, funnily enough, we're only playing Fremantle once this year and it's at home. Um, so we travel round eight, round 11 and round 22. Yeah, cool. Uh, the, so from round 11 to round... So we've got 10 games in a row in Melbourne after that. Um, yeah. Get them out of the way early. So, they're, they're, they're a positive and, for our young group. They're a positive, 100%. Absolutely. So, um, but overall, you know, we talk about this all the time and I hate the word honourable loss because, and, and we could see from all the interviews post-game that, that they were gutted with the loss, which is great. That's what we want to see from our football club. Um, but they're the types of performances where you can lose the game and still be content that we're on the right path. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, even like last night, you know, Richmond going down to Port. As much as Richmond would have wanted that win, I think they can, you know, on any other day it could have gone either way. You know, Castagna was inches mm-hmm. away from getting that kick. So as much as you hate losing, um, they're a pretty good sign that we we're up there with a side that, um, or we can hang with with a side uh, that one is probably in a similar situation, if not twelve months ahead, um, and mm-hmm. to a side that beat a good side last week who may or may not have just had an off day, but um, still good, good sign. So we actually had a method and there's a, you know, we can see something happening. One, one team having an off day in one round is possible. Two teams having an off day in two consecutive rounds where the only consistent thing is our performance. 
I think is, is a bit hard to say. I think we've actually had two good performances. We can't have had St Kilda have an off day and Sydney no, have no, an off no, day. No, no, sorry. I was referring to Sydney last week beating Richmond. Uh, I, don't, I ah, don't know if Richmond okay. had, a, had a great day. Um, yeah. I, did, I didn't watch the game, but uh, I think if Richmond yeah. had beaten by that much. Or Sydney just worked them out. So, But I'm, I'm, I'm sure Richmond won't. Uh, well, they looked a bit worked out last night too, but I'm sure Richmond will adjust and they'll figure out a way to... Stay up there, but that's a that's another story. Yeah, awesome. Cool. All right, so why don't we uh, take a little bit of a break, and then when we come back, we'll look forward to Saturday night against the Brisbane Joe Danahers. I mean Lions. game it's a really interesting matchup for us obviously it's the first time we're coming up against Joe Danaher who is a much loved player on this podcast and and by me personally and I think it's going to be I think his matchup is going to go a long way to shaping the result of this week's game I think in terms of changes for us the only ones that I would be thinking about is perhaps uh, bringing in Andrew Phillips, who played in the VFL on the weekend, had a really good game. So swapping him in for Peter Wright or Kale Hooker. And the only reason I mentioned Kale Hooker is because he seemed on Thursday night to be struggling with his corky uh, that he sustained the week before. And his mobility, although never really that great, was a little bit down on, on where we'd like. I think form-wise... The no-brainer is to is to drop Peter Wright to bring in a recognised ruckman in Andrew Phillips. I think Peter Wright is a little bit out of his depth when he's running solely as a ruck, uh, and I think Phillips offers us a lot more in that regard. And I think our forward line setup currently is really nice in terms of uh, Stringer, Waterman, the one tall in Hooker and or uh, Phillips. Um, sorry, Hooker and or Peter Wright, and then the host of smalls that we've got. I think it's really difficult to drop anyone else given the performance that we put in against Sydney and really um, very, very close to winning that game on who I believe is still the form side of the competition, apart from perhaps the Bulldogs who were the Lions opponents on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. I think the key to victory for us in this one is breaking even in the clearances. I think our running style and our forward handball, if we can get enough ball out of the clearances, is perhaps a little bit difficult for Brisbane Brisbane to stop. I think uh, their defence is susceptible to our medium setup if we can get the ball in efficiently enough and, and enough times. We saw in, in the Bulldogs game, the Lions really got smashed in the inside 50s and and their defence that relies on um, Harris Andrews taking intercept marks and, and those sorts of plays um, really got shown up because of the speed of the Bulldogs. Going forward, I, I'm a bit worried about our defence on their forward line. Charlie Cameron's always a difficult matchup, although... Uh, the job that we did on Papley either um, as a team 
or uh, if we want to attribute that to Nick Hind, gives me a little bit more confidence going into to Charlie Cameron, who's not in great form at the moment. What really I think we might struggle with is the combination of Hipwood and Danaher. The Hipwood and Danaher both really, really big, really tall, and I think Zerk obviously can only go to one of them. I'd be more inclined to probably uh, plonk Zerk on Hipwood because I think he you have the ability to shut Hipwood completely out of the game with a good defensive job. He he tends to struggle a little bit when he gets uh, sort of the equivalent of a hard tag from a key defender. And then that leaves us with the awkward position of Joe Danaher. We have the option of running an Aaron Francis on him who gives up quite a bit of height um, but perhaps uh, is a little bit stronger uh, in in the one-on-one. But Danaher is such a such an athletic, such a dominant player when he's playing well. It, it's, he's going to be hard to stop without another very dominant athletic defender going the other way. I did note that uh, Zach Reed was listed as an emergency. So, I mean, it'd be one out of the box, but it, it is possible that we bring in Zach Reed, play Zerk on Danaher for the blanketing job, and then maybe gives Reed the job on Hipwood if if the club thinks he's ready. But I, I'm not sure that that's a good option. Uh, I don't think Ambrose is ready yet. He did play in the VFL on the weekend, but didn't have uh, much game time. I think he only played a half. And, and so I don't think he's ready to, to perform his, his shutdown job. And from my reading of the preseason, he actually wasn't playing in defence or, or training in defence over the preseason. So it'll be it, they're the two matchups that are, that are really tough for us. I think uh, coming into the game, the rest of our defenders really match up on the rest of their forward line really well. As long as we get a good defensive game for from whoever's rucking for us to um, run with Oscar McInerney and and really make sure that that you make that that our ruckman is accountable when they're going forward definitely where this is won and lost is in the clearances there's no doubt about that that if if they get on top and get a really clear advantage in the middle then i think it becomes very difficult for us to win but if we get a good performance out of our midfielders get some good work out of jake stringer with the center clearances i think we're in with a really good chance uh in this game i think we're actually to belie our, our one and three record, I actually think we're in decent form given that two of our losses have come by less than a kick. And, and understandably, in both of those games, we had uh, a seven-goal lead and a, and a five-goal lead that we, we let disappear. But I think overall, our game plan is starting to click and we're starting to get um, solid four-quarter performances as we saw against St Kilda and, and then again against Sydney. So... It's it's really about getting on top through the mid part of the ground, and whether that is with um, some different personnel through there, or just some some work on the way that that Brisbane match up and the way that they they attack the contests is uh, is something really that that Truck's going to have to deal with. I know that um, Lockie Neal missed the game against. Uh, actually, no, he didn't. He played on the weekend against the Doggies and he got 27. So unless we get very lucky with his back um, forcing him out of this the next game, he's, I think, the, the danger man for us because he's such a clearance machine. 
around the ground. Uh, and I think I'd consider going the hard tag on him. Um, whether we get uh, someone like Langford, who's who's done that role for us in the past, to follow him around and tag him, I'm not sure. Uh, but they do... There's no doubt their, their team across the board is sort of stronger across all their lines. It's just about them not being in great form at the moment, sort of like us falling the wrong side of, of a couple of close ones and, and getting outclassed and a couple of others. Uh, I, I do think that, that overall their, their list is a couple of years ahead of where we're at. The thing that's really promising for us, however, is that we've got um, a very, very difficult matchup for them to deal with in Nick Cox, who as a wingman at, at 200 centimetres with, with the skills that he has, makes it really difficult. That That's someone that they have to actually plan around and put some time into. I don't think you can just chuck Mitch Robinson on him and expect him to do a job. Uh, if he tries to outbody him, then I think he'll end up infringing because Nick Cox is just too big and too athletic for him. So that's perhaps somewhere where we can get a bit of an advantage. Uh, I wouldn't mind a little bit more time from Archie uh, in the center square um, and trying to get some some explosiveness out of him, you know, and even a matchup on on Lockie Neal with him and following him to the ball might be, um, uh, you know, for parts of the game. I don't think it's a good idea to have him tagging him the whole game, but have him follow him around for parts of the game would be a really great option for us, just as a learning experience. Uh, I was really happy with Hebel's return, so um, I feel like our defense, even if we go in unchanged. I'm really happy with that. I think they're, they're really starting to gel as a defense. And, and I feel like, like I was saying earlier, that our forward line is starting to get the balance right. But like against Sydney, if we bring the effort that we brought against Sydney with the intent around the contest, I, I'm reasonably confident that we'll be in this game. It's whether we um, fall away from that tackling pressure and that intent that uh, we could be in, in very big trouble in this one. Now, of course, as discussed, looming large is Joe Danaher. And uh, we all know that if he has a big game, as our players that come up against us seem to do, then there's absolutely nothing we can do to stop him. He, you know, if he has one of his big performances, then, I mean, that's why we were so keen to keep him. And that's why they were so keen to get him on their list, because he's absolutely a game breaker. Um, Having said that, the having watched the first couple rounds of us playing, I am very confident we've picked up in this year's draft at least two of those potential game-breaking players. So although we might feel the loss early, I think uh, a year, two years from now, I think we'll be um, we'll have long forgotten the impact that Joe Danaher had for our football club because we'll be looking forward with the exciting talent on the list. But... That's about it for me. I think, like I said, it's going to be one and lost at the clearance at the coalface. And if we can get on top and, and bring the pressure, bring the heat in in that regard, then I think we're in for a good show. But if, if our intent isn't there around the ball and they're able to, to get some ruck dominance and, and waltz it out of the center square, then I think we could be in for a tough day. But I'm um, increasingly more confident uh, with the coaching panel with the way that they're working out teams, the way that they're breaking down teams. And I'm increasingly confident 
in our uh, consistency from week to week. I've now seen uh, three out of five games or two out of five, uh, two out of four, and hopefully three out of five games where the effort has been really consistent across four quarters where we know we can score when we when we move it quickly when we play our, our game plan. So I'm, yeah, more and more optimistic about this week. And look, for me, really, at the end of the day, if if we have a similar performance to Sydney and don't get the win and we see some more improvement across the board, then I'm pretty happy with this one. But given how Brisbane are playing and and the way that we've been playing, I'm I think we can I think we can steal one here. So and absolutely uh, a win away from home for a team that early in the season was considered and probably still are a top four and or premiership contender. I think that will do the world of good for the confidence of this group. Uh, and really, really looking forward to, to seeing how we back up after such a promising yet disappointing performance against Sydney. So that's about it from us here at the Dom Father for this week. Uh, obviously, we'll come back next week after we will review the Brisbane game and look forward to the week after. But um, until then... Go dogs.